Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic areas of church life. Each week, I'll be talking through a different aspect of church life, along with some very special guests. If you like this podcast, why not subscribe, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get into this week's episode. Hi there, welcome along to this episode of the Thinking Church podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, just want to let you know that if you still haven't opened your building after lockdown, and I know that a lot of churches have still, you're still waiting for some of the restrictions to ease up at this moment in time, then we have a checklist for you that will ask you every single question that you need to ask. It's £49.99 and it will go through everything from thinking through uh, one-way systems, um, thinking how you're going to do social distancing and everything like that. It's got every single question so that you don't have to ask those questions. There's so many and so many that you will probably forget one of them but we won't and we haven't forgotten any of them and so that is there for you. Just go to www.com thinking.church and it's just there on the home page for you. Okay, on to this week's episode and Lee Button, who is our the co-founder of Thinking Church and uh, my regular contributor to this podcast, uh, Lee and I were speaking with Simon Jarvis. Simon is the pastor of One Church, which is a group of churches. There's four churches in the southwest of England and it's also my church. So it was great to be able to interview my senior pastor, which was, uh, it was great fun. And uh, Simon Jarvis is... Uh, not just a pastor, he's also the leadership development director for AOG in the UK. And he's doing a phenomenal work raising up the next generation of leaders and training the leaders that are currently there. And his passion has always been for growing people, for growing the leadership capacity in in them. He's taught me everything I know about leadership. And so I'm so grateful for his uh, training, his leadership in my life. And I know that in this conversation that you'll really appreciate Simon's wisdom and his uh, his forward thinkingness as well. So without further ado, this is mine and Lee's conversation with Simon Jarvis of One Church. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you very much. All right, well, let's let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, with some questions, Simon. Um, leadership development's become a bit of a, a buzzword in Christian circles over the last couple of decades, uh, yeah. but it still seems like churches are struggling to develop leaders. Uh, why do you think that is? Um, well, uh, I, I don't think there's a reason. I, I think, it, like most issues where you involve people, uh, it, it's not a it's it's an art as much as it is a science. And uh, uh, people are every single person is extremely complex. So you the the, com, the combination of the person who's trying to develop and the person who is being developed. Uh, create a, a, a multiple layer of Rubik's cubes to to line up, and, uh, and so I think I think uh, I, I think generally people polarize. 
So you've got people who say it's a science and it's about teaching. And, you know, if I can get my framework all sorted out and get my science sorted out, then it, the factory will produce the leader. I think we all know that doesn't work. Uh, but um, but our education works like that. Everybody turns up at school and they go through the same uh, learning blocks as everybody else. And uh, and we wonder why some people struggle, some people don't. And of course, if you're geared towards that type of learning, you're going to excel. If you're like me, where you're a little bit more random in your thinking, school was hard work just to stay on track with things. So I, I think we all know that it's not a science. Uh, but what, of course, when it comes to art, uh, how do you framework something to make sure uh, that they are developed, that you've covered all the the issues you've made, uh, you've made, uh, you've you've gone through all the steps that someone is fully trained in everything they need to know, um, and uh, if you go fully the other way, uh, then you you end up with a lot of holes in people's knowledge, uh, and when they're released, they, uh, they 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 fall off quite quickly because uh, there's something missing in the training. So, I I I don't think I'm saying anything new here, but uh, somehow between the two. There's a science and there's an art. The two things need to combine uh, together to become an overall picture. So I think where it goes wrong is when you uh, swing too much to one side or the other. Yeah, that's great. And it, I mean, it's something that I know that you're you're really, really passionate about it. And I'd love to find out why why are you passionate about leadership development? Where does that come from? Uh, yeah, where, where does that passion come from? Yeah, I, I think it comes from uh, <laughs> uh, growing up thinking I wasn't a very good pastor. Uh, there's a, I, I think there are ways to learn, and sometimes you learn out of necessity. Uh, uh, so for me, uh, I have a calling on my life to serve people in terms of context and ascension gift or Ephesians 4 ministry gift. I, I, I do feel there's a sense of vocational calling to that, but never fit, fitted into the um, traditional model. Uh, and my father, who uh, is now deceased, is a, he is the perfect pastor, the perfect pastor teacher. He, he epitomizes everything I understood of a, a, a ministry gift. Uh, or Ephesians for Ascension Gift Ministry, and everything he is, I'm not. <laughs> I get, and so I felt, well, I can't be that. So I found myself going on a journey. Well, if I'm not that, I must be something else. And and that journey takes you on a, a journey of self-discovery, where you've you've got to come back to that place of the identity that God has placed upon you, but recognize you have a unique set of skills. That, uh, that facilitate that gift. Um, and it took me a while to do that. It took me a long time, probably into my 20s, well into my 20s, where I realized, actually, what if God literally chose me for the way he created me and not tr wasn't trying to fit me into a box somewhere? And that was very liberating for me to realize I just have to be myself. Uh, and then. Uh, to recognize because I am not the stereotypical outcome of something, then I have to design something that frees everybody around me to become everything that God has called them to be. 
because the authenticity within me to develop means I'm not trying to make you like me. I'm trying to teach you what I've learned. My revelation is I can facilitate the gift that's inside of you. Um, so uh, this, this is very anecdotal uh, in terms of my uh, sense of uh, upbringing, uh, background, but I think these are the things that actually force you to come to the fore of the, the, out, the outcomes that we're in at the moment. Fantastic. Um, I'm just going to add in as well, because we've actually had a question posted. If you do have any questions that you want to uh, uh, add in today, and we hope we'll be able to get to them, if you just post them into the chat, um, we will pick up as many as we can as we go on. So keep posting them there. And um, if they're in the programme of where we're getting to, uh, we, we, will, uh, we should hopefully address them as they come up. Um, and hopefully there might be some time at the end for anything else. Um, just following on there, Simon, on, on, on what you said, like many of us will have heard the kind of uh, the idea that everyone is a leader. Um, we'll also heard then as well that, you know, leadership is a spiritual gift that's only bestowed upon, you know, some as if there's, you know, something more, more special in that area. Where do we draw that balance? You know, what and what do you think it is and why? Yeah, I, I, I think that question is the question I grew up with. Um, which I, I wrestled with um, because the definitions never seemed to add up. Um, uh, and seeing uh, people attempt to polarise them. Um, but I don't think we should polarise them. I do think everyone is a leader, right? But there are certain aspects of leadership, spiritual leadership, in terms of uh, 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 that Ephesians 4 that uh, I think are bestowed on, uh, uh, bestowed on people. And uh, so... But that doesn't mean <laughs> that's the only people can exist. Uh, and I do think there are the, these gifts are a blend of natural gifts, like the gifts we find in Romans, for example, uh, the spiritual gifts we find uh, in uh, Galatians, and, uh, and the, the gifts of the essential gifts we find in uh, Ephesians. Uh, the, there's a mix of these combinations of things that, that come to the fore here. I, I, so, for example, um, all things being equal, I, the, I think most of us in the ear, uh, within earshot of me got yourself out of bed this morning and brushed your own teeth and washed your own torso. Uh, that's leadership. You, to, to make that choice, not everybody actually gets that far in terms of like in, in leading themselves um, most of us have uh i know chris today said he had to go to the shops and he had to buy something and he was worried about the basket uh, but you had to lead yourself to get to the shops uh, why for provision either i don't i assume this wasn't just purely selfish but you wanted to provide for your family right so that who made that decision who made that decision um i i think well whoever made that decision took a leadership decision but i think it's the scale of leadership that's determined about where we fit in the overall picture of things and i think that's i think if we can if we can see that everybody has to take a responsibility to lead at the lowest uh, denominator if you want is to lead yourself um I, I think if you work with character and authenticity and and with a sense of uh genuinely believe in legacy the more you the more you give yourself away i think the greater the leader you become and i think the levels of leadership at the highest level are to 
less to do with how skillful you are and more to do with how much you don't do <laughs> and how yeah. much you facilitate around you. So the irony is less, it's less about what you do and more about what you don't do. Fantastic, thank you very much. Um, you touched on this ever so slightly in uh, when, when we were doing the introductions, um, but to, and to pick up on that, we were, we were talking with Nick Sharalambas last week um, mm. about discipleship, and uh, he made a comment that the church has really got used to essentially a substandard educational model when it comes to discipleship. Um, and uh, is there a worry that we've fallen into a similar pattern as a church and we're just basically installing substandard leadership and management styles um, in what we do and where that's outdated? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the truth is systems get outdated very quickly anyway. So uh, I think the simple answer is yes. I, um, if you're using a system that is 10 years old, you're, you, are, you are outdated. Uh, that's the truth. Um, uh, but there are people being born every second of every day. Like there are, like the nobody gets trained to be a parent, and yet suddenly fostered upon us are some, and we have to lead these bundles of life. Um, and so you can read all the books you want, but you, what you're trying to do is pick out the relevant truth from what was was truth or. Uh, had gravitas years ago and how do we interpret that into today's world um, and so even if you just learn at those lowest levels not lowest levels those uh, most obvious levels of leadership of a, a parent I think we all understand this we all understand I have to interpret the lessons of yesteryear can I find the values that are key and can I find the principles that I can translate in today's world um, uh, you, when you truly take responsibility for something, you do that. So using the example of a parent, that's a classic example where you learn very, very quickly as soon as that child has a mind of their own, right, you think, how did my parents raise me? You know, you, you, you're, suddenly it's forced on you to be very, very contemporary. And, uh, and the old, I find, and, and then you, if you're in a in a family where you have a husband and a wife, you know, uh, two parents, you find yourself having these conflaps of like, what are we going to do now? You know, that that form of discipline we used six months ago is not working, uh, and so it forces you to be contemporary. Uh, so using that as a backdrop, I think this is where the church goes wrong. The church just assumes that if I just teach what I've always taught, if I just put the programs through that I've always put through, everybody will just go through like a sausage, a sausage factory and come out fully uh, forgetting that we're human. We're human beings. And uh, this, this ability to adapt, this, uh, this um, ability to take the principles of our heritage, of our legacy, and translate them into our current process I think that the problem is leaders don't own, properly own, the people that they are connected with. They're not in that uh, fathering, mentoring, uh, true uh, discipling uh, forums 
that force you to be contemporary in your discipleship, leadership, development processes. So that, that analogy really helps me uh, understand what, what, uh, uh, how to adapt um, mm. and why churches don't adapt uh, because it's easier to fall back onto the old programs. What are the, um, the frameworks that you use for leadership development? Maybe they're principles that you've used or other people's thinking, books that you've read that you think would be, that have, have shaped your approach to leadership development? Uh, I, I don't have a Bible. <laughs> There's that. Um, there, there are some amazing books. Uh, I think the best books I've used have given are more to do with psychology and understanding people so if i could get the psychology of understanding how someone thinks uh, or why people do what they do and generally learning those soft skills that emotional intelligence if i can combine that with the uh, the, the the truths and the principles of scripture the and values that we share so the best chance I've got in any relationship is that we share those values right at the beginning because they, they're foundational. The second thing is understanding how the person ticks, right? Why do they think that way? Are they aware of their foibles? And most importantly, am I aware of my foibles? Am I aware of what winds me up? And, and, and so this becomes a dance between those two things. Uh, so book, uh, the psychology, so books that help me are books that help me understand people. So Strengths Finder has been one of the best books, uh, not because it's been a, a better book than Myers-Briggs. It's just a different angle. Most people who are in employment, who are most people that I mentor, for example, already hold a leadership position. So they are they're very wired already and very savvy with the management elements of things they already have some kind of responsibility so to find a, a strength finder gives you a different angle of the same issue and, and creates a conversation that you can talk that's new and fresh now what does it mean to be a futurist what does it mean to be woo what does it mean that and that, that's what i really do like about those those books um uh, so I encourage you to to look at those. There's another one called Five Voices. There's there's a gazillion out there. But anything that gets people to think about who they are and how they interact with people is definitely a key thing for helping me. Yeah, that's great. And um, I, I, I guess I'm I, not. I, there was a second part of that question, but I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 great. Um, we'll, we'll we'll move on. Um, it's worth thinking about and um, what probably what I'd love, love to hear from you is um, when you're looking to develop a leader in one church or you know in AOG for instance and you're looking for someone that you want to take significant weight what are the things that you're you're looking for uh, in that person and what are the steps that you are taking uh, with them to develop them yeah Funny you should mention that. There's, there's ten things I look for, um, and uh, these these are uh, they. I'm sure 
they are not mine. I'm sure I've nicked it from somewhere, but they've uh, they've uh, they really helped me. Um, and I, I think I sent them. I don't know if we can put that yeah. up on a square for people to see. Uh, I, I think the the uh, how to identify a leader. Ten attributes I look for my leaders. That's a that's a great title. Um, the first thing I look for uh, is uh, people who influence others. Now, this isn't ne necessarily a positive thing. <laughs> so sometimes I can see people, but they, they are genuinely influencers within their, their, the context or the field that they're in. People are already looking to them. Uh, to, even if they're looking for them to do something naughty, for example, if you're looking at teenagers, uh, uh, that they're showing that element of leadership. So influence and leadership are very synonymous. Number two, I love people who challenge the process. I love people who ask me the question, can you explain why we're doing this? Uh, and what you're, if, if the attitude is right, this is a very healthy attribute. Um, they, they get excited by vision, driven by vision. They relate well with people, excuse the shorthand there. Um, th this is, you have some people who are good with vision, good with process. Uh, but they treat people very, very badly. So it doesn't, this is, it, if people relate well, we talked about this earlier, this really helps. Uh, work well under pressure. Um, I learned this very, very early in leadership. Uh, you really find out who's with you if there is, if a bomb goes off or there's a fire. And uh, uh, a leader said to me, he said, he said, if you haven't got a fire, light a fire. Uh, put them under pressure, say something to them or put them in, in a position where their true colours start to show themselves and you'll find out how well they work under pressure. Uh, solves problems well. An example of that is don't, don't come to me with a problem. If you come to me, come with a problem and at least have thought through a solution. Uh, so we're discussing your solution rather than discussing the problem. Uh, the ability to communicate, uh, to display confidence, uh, is uh, an important thing to possess a positive attitude. Uh, you, you know, you can have a negative wiring. You can be a black hat type person, but still have a positive attitude. That's a choice every day. And and the last thing that I really like is want to be evaluated by results rather than your title. Um, uh, I do get fed up with people in church leadership. Once you give them a title, they they feel they are. Uh, that that's good enough. Uh, but uh, a good leader wants to be evaluated by their results. So there's 10 things for us. That would be great 10 discussions to have for all of us to have um, about the uh, attributes that are healthy for a leader. Superb. I'll leave that on the moment longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, happy, yeah. So in, in taking those, in taking those 10 attributes um i know that you know within your own church and where you're where you're leading that you're you have in place a leadership pipeline um mm -hmm. so how do you take them and feed that into something that then you can uh work with individuals and groups to develop them what does it look like actually in action as part of that leadership process yeah um i this is multiple, multiple faceted, to be honest with you, Lee. It's a very good question uh, because, again, um, the, the, we talked a little bit about science and art. Uh, I, I think the first secret is this, model it, right? Hmm. Uh, model it. Be, you, you don't have to talk about it. You live it. 
and and so people watch most of us watch leaders most of us um i get drawn to leadership we've they might not have the title but there's something about that person that you're just watching and soon as something happens how did they react to that you know um so I think it's disingenuous when a leader says, this is what you need to do. Here's the attributes that you should be living, but they're not living it themselves. Uh, mm. Integrity is lost immediately. Authenticity and gravitas is lost. Uh, people might say, well, uh, so um, John Maxwell would always argue, everybody has to start with a title somewhere, which is true. But people will only really follow you if you live out the, the principles that you teach. And um, so uh, I think I think we need to help people becoming really good models. And so just for example, saying here's 10 things to work at really like uh, I model these things. But someone who's learning in leadership now has a, something to calibrate against. So it's not just an art. There's a little bit of science there. So. In a mentoring relationship, I might say, you know, if uh, Lee, you and I are in some kind of mentoring relationship, uh, you might say to me, oh, you know, I, I really struggle with number six or number seven. So, okay, then how do you think we could grow? Can we set some goals that could grow in those areas? So even just using these 10 steps, we have something to calibrate against as a dialogue, as a conversation. Mm. Or I could say to you, oh, Chris, like, uh, you, do you realise that you 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 don't relate well to this or this person? You you know, blah blah blah. And then I, oh, I think that person's got the problem. Ah, okay. Now we've got this issue in terms of the mentoring element of things to say. Right, okay, let's step into this. Now this is just a one-on-one -on -one scale, one-on-one uh, -on -one attribute of terms of development. I think it's the most effective way of leadership. And um, I, and I think Jesus modelled this beautifully, where he said, "Right, okay, I'm going to choose twelve people." And we, uh, from what I understand, he had three that were like, "I reckon one of these people are going to take over from me." And of course, we, now we know Peter was in the middle of that three, and then the other three. Then we have the twelve, of which we know one was a Judas. How can Jesus pick someone who is a Judas? That gives me so much hope. It shows me that Jesus believed in people, even though they were that sin was crouching at the door. I believe sin was crouching at the door of all of them, and uh, they all had a chance to go back to their old ways. But eleven of them stuck it out and and followed the model of Jesus. And of course, but we do know there was a seventy-two. There was a this in uh, maybe each one of them. I, I can't prove this. Each one of the 12 had a 12. Wouldn't that be a lovely little small group system that just went out? You know, the 12 had a 12 and the 12 had a 12, etc., etc. Uh, but uh, there, were, there must have been some kind of model. We do know that that method of learning was very prevalent at that time. Uh, the rabbi would have a small group system of learning. And maybe he just empowered these misfits to say, look, I'll model it to you, you model it to others. Uh, I, I wish I could go back and watch and really take from that. Um, but if you, but there's a really good example where Jesus taught, he told stories and parables and gave them inside coaching. Uh, and uh, they had no idea what they were being coached for. 
But I tell you what, by the time they got to Book of Acts, they knew exactly, ah, that's why we need to learn this stuff. So there is stuff we need to teach, even if people don't fully understand why they're learning it. And there's stuff that has to be modelled. Uh, because, but it's the modelling that gives the gravitas to the teaching, not the teaching that gives the gravitas to the modelling. Yeah, does that does that kind of pull then on the difference of um, you know some of this can be taught, uh, but. Uh, at a level some of this is also innate within an individual and you're doing the drawing and the mentoring and the modeling for them to pick up on it you know almost you know by by touch as it were yeah uh well um nature nurture um so i i I think i think the secret of this is no one is the complete package right so uh, let's let's find the strengths in people and identify the weaknesses in them as well. Let's do both those things, right? Enhance the strengths and teach people to manage their weaknesses. So in, from the nurture point of view, uh, sorry, from the nature point of view, we're born with the, this, these certain wirings that are, well, I have no idea where they came from, but I think we're naturally very good at this, mm. right? But you're not the complete package. This is... This, this, this is the suit you lead on. This is what you make the trumps in your hand. These are the ones you lead on this. But please do not ignore this other aspect of your life. So if you're gifted administratively, uh, this is wonderful, right? But remember, you still have to talk to people. So the, the, you keep enhancing and learning how to administrate, take qualifications and sharpen up that gift. But don't ignore the areas of weakness that you've got. Learn how to handle those things because this area here, the weak area, this is what's going to take your legs away. And this is where leaders falter because they don't learn to manage their weaknesses. Uh, Great leaders enhance their strengths and manage their weaknesses to to a place. So um, you can nurture your weaknesses and you can nurture your strengths. What you can't do is rewire yourself. I'd love, to, um, I'd love to pick up on with you about the, the leadership pipeline that you've brought in out, yeah. out on church. Um, yeah. you know, what, what is that for people that don't really know how that works and how's that helped you? Yeah, so um, I, I, again, I gave you 10 attributes uh, just to get the conversation started. In other words, in our relationship, uh, uh, in our relationship, we're saying, here's 10 things that you can work on. Right? And, and suddenly we've got, we've, got a, uh, we've got an education process. We've got uh, a process that says, these are the things that we're going to grade our leadership development on. Now, uh, on a leadership pipeline, it's recognizing that everyone can lead themselves, right? But what does it mean to lead yourself as a Christian? What does it mean to lead yourself as a Christian leader? Now, what if you are an influencer, right? What, uh, and people are coming to you, there's another level up, right? How do you sharpen your gift when you move another level up? And, what, and, and so at each level, you're moving through an organization 
that enables you to facilitate the leadership gift. Now, not everybody rises to the top. Otherwise, it is obvious, isn't it? We'd have, we'd have seven billion presidents. We don't have seven billion presidents across the world. We don't have seven billion prime ministers. Not everybody makes chief executive officer. And it's not because they are they are more talented than, than someone else. It's just their capacity or their, their gift mix allows them to go at a higher level. Um, and it doesn't make them more important either. Uh, they are just fulfilling their God-given talents at the level they've got. So if you want a biblical example, like the owner had three servants. He gave the first person one talent, gave the other person two, and the other five. Well, why? Why didn't everybody have uh, whatever it is, five, seven, eight divided by three, <laughs> two, two and two thirds or whatever the answer is? Uh, uh, why, why, why is that? And uh, the answer is because the capacity within the person, because the, our, our responsibility is to double what we've got. So uh, I think what a pipeline does is it enables people to measure up and say, if you want to move to the next level, here's the areas you need to grow in. Do you think you could grow in these areas? And the person might look at it and go, I'd like to have a go. Well, that's fantastic. Let's try and they might say, actually, I've got, it's too much pressure for me right now. Well, that's good because you've risen to your level of, uh, of responsibility. And that's what a pipeline does. It creates a conversation, a third party, if you want, a dialogue for people to look at how they can develop to the next level. Superb. And, and building on that, within um... In, in kind of your wider remit, you've also uh, developed a tool called uh, Alps. Uh, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about what that is and why that serves this other context? Yeah, I, I think um, traditionally, uh, I, I've, I've passed it a long time. And uh, so here's a quick history of why we got to this place. So you create teaching programs from a traditional point of view, for example, uh, we're going to teach on the gifts of the spirit and uh, or the fruit of the spirit. And you do three Thursday nights on the fruit of the spirit. And uh, so as the teacher, I delivered an excellent teaching program over three nights. Now, here's the reality. Bill and uh, Bill and uh, Joanne both came to the first night. On the second night, Bill had to work late. So Joanne came. On the third night, both Bill and Joanne intended to come to that third night, but because of the, the problems with the children, the babysitter, they neither come. Now, in my head, I've taught on the fruits of the spirit. In reality, this couple who are now in leadership have only had one third of the necessary development that's required for them to move to the next level. However, as a leader, I've gone, I've taught on this, you're ready, you're good to go. Two years down the road, we hit a problem and someone's going, I, you know, there's only three fruits of the spirit. You know, what do you mean there's only three fruits of the spirit? Well, I need to learn three fruits of the spirit. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 there's more than that. And the holes in our leadership development turn out because of the system we've got. Right. So let's find a way that someone can systematically go through the processes. Uh, this is not replacing face-to-face. -face. As the Bible says, I'm sharpens iron we talked 
The majority of stuff we talk about is iron sharpens iron. However, in your time, when it works for you, can you cover these three aspects of the, the training on the fruits of the spirit? And I know because you've written a little essay that you've got a basic understanding of that. So we know in the future we've covered all the holes. It complements the, the, the concept. Yeah, and I guess this picks up, you know, during lockdown, this is a way that, because it's an online system, yeah. uh, I guess this is a way in which there are ways that we can think about the leadership development whilst we're in lockdown, whilst everyone's at their, their homes. This is, leadership development doesn't have to stop just because we're not being able to meet on a Wednesday night or something like that. Absolutely. You know, that, that's yeah, yeah. still possible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say, in, in, when it comes to the post-lockdown world, I mean, because obviously you developed this before, before this uh, to do something. How do you think this is going to impact, you know, the other side of uh, COVID and when we when we move on from here? Um, I, I just uh, we're already rewriting <laughs> the Alps, the Advanced Leadership Program. Uh, uh, what we're doing is trying to fit it more into the uh, leadership pipeline program. So, uh, and I've got, so the next phase for me is saying, look, part of this will be done online and part of this will be done face-to-face -face in a classroom setting uh, for the things that we caught. And I, I think people, uh, I think pre-COVID-19, People were like, oh, you know, I'm I'm a mum. I've got three kids under the age of nine. And last thing I want to do is come home and then give myself an hour and a half to to work on, you know, the jolly teaching of the fruit of the spirit or something to do with leadership development. But I think people are going. Actually, I think people have sharpened up. Uh, what COVID nineteen has done for us overall is like we've become more savvy with uh, the what, what can be computerized, what can be done online. And we've started to honor that more. And, and I think those who've been in church a long time uh, saw, really saw it as a, an added extra if you really need it. And I think yeah. what this has done is changed the, the uh, perspective and the value of having been able to connect uh, rather than look at the, just look at the traditional methods of, and I use this to polarise my argument, the Bible study versus an online training. So I think people's perspectives of, will change towards this type of learning. Absolutely. Definitely increases the number of available touch points and engagement over, mm. over a longer period, that kind of thing. So very fitting. Yeah, no, a thing I'd love to pick up with you about um, is thinking about that proximity between, you know, a student and, uh, or, you know, the person who's being developed and the developer. And, you know, how there's two, I think there's always been two schools of thought, but some people say, you know, you need to be taught by someone that's kind of a fair few levels ahead of you because that, that sort of concentration brings people up quicker. And then there's the other school of thought that says, oh, no, as long as you're one step ahead, you can always be a leader and you can lead the people in front of you. Um, which way do you tend to fall on that? And what have you found more effective 
in your time in, in developing leaders? Yeah, um, I think you need to see this more as a compass. And, uh, and I think there's, a, I think part of the, uh, the argument we're talking about here comes from a tradition of uh, the, the, the weaker brother and the stronger brother. If you know your Bible, you can go to Romans. It talks about that, you know, if, you, if, if you're someone with someone who's the weaker brother, you know, don't cause them to sin by doing something. So I always, I traditionally always grew up, the, the longer you were a Christian, the stronger you were as a brother. The, the, the younger a Christian was the weaker brother. Uh, um, but I've changed my view completely on this several, uh, dozens of years ago, I, where it's to do with the subject. <laughs> There's n- no one is a guru except Jesus. There is no such thing as a guru, right? Like there are, it depends on the topic. So, you know, please don't ask me advice on DIY, right? Please don't ask me to fix your car, right? I'll be able to tell you where, you know, a good dealer and I could tell you who a good mechanic is and I could tell you someone who could paint your house, but please don't ask me to do this. So if we become more topic orientated, it takes this pressure off this guru status. Um, So for me, it's about finding the people think north in the area of growth that I want to be. If I think I want to be a great church leader, think north. Who do I know is a great church leader? Right? Now, some people have said I'm a, a reasonably good church leader. Right? Otherwise, I wouldn't have people come into the churches that I run. It, so it's fair. It's a fair comment. But like I said, you can come and talk to me, but please stay away from DIY. Now, I could have someone who is 25 years younger than me Right, so now we're looking south, and I'd say go and chat to that person, change the topic, and it's not necessarily how old you are that makes you the person we turn to for advice. So I create a compass around me. So the, the people who are east and west of me, these are my these are my buddies. These are my these are the people who tell me I'm being an idiot. They're the ones who will jump in real quick and go, "Ask oh, Simon." You're just a numpty. Now, generally, people who are north of me will be more cautious of saying that. People south of me will be uh, more respectful to do that, generally speaking. But my mates, they're not going to mess around. And I need that input, right? I need them to lead me Mm. in their area of why I've got people around me. So uh, the, the secret here is actually knowing which people to bring close to you right, and which people to allow to drift to a, to a safer zone because not everybody has the same gravitas. Not everybody has the same rights to say what they need to say to you in, in that circle. Uh, if you wanted to talk about those, uh, creating a target and how to move people in and out of that zone helps us get the right voices into our lives. Yeah, cool. I'd, I'd love to pick up on that bit, especially the the east west line of that. Yeah, what what does it look like to put in place appropriate accountability to, you know, help us in our leadership essentially? Because we 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 often know the signs when it's missing. Uh, so uh, you know, maybe there, what should we look for? But also, like when it's in place, what does that add to us? And, you know, what are the signs of when this is going well? 
Yeah, very good question, Lee. Really good. Uh, because really, this is getting to the grittiness of, um, of authenticity. Uh, like I said, remember, we're, we're going to collapse in our leadership, not behind the pulpit. We're going to collapse in our private lives. So the true, uh, the true essence is the accountability of our lives. Um, so for me, personally, is I can honestly say to you, I, there are no skeletons in my cupboard. There's not a thing about me, both positive and negative, that someone within my circle of my north, east, south and west who doesn't know about me. But that's not just one person. <laughs> I have a collective, depending on their skills and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, skills and their gravitas and, uh, of leadership that I've entrusted with the true secrets. I, I also, the people who are closest to me can ask me any question that they want. Uh, and that can be very, very uncomfortable. But mm. they um, usually, the people who are east and west of me, we have the same rights that we give to one another. So when you're, when you're looking at a north relationship, I can, there's a, there, is, there is a certain amount of give and take but on the majority, they're passing to us something. But on an east and west, it's, there's an equality of uh, capacity. So someone who's east and west, and you specifically asked about that east and west uh, accountability. If someone wants to ask me about my marriage, if someone wants to ask me about my love life, if someone wants to ask me about what, what I'm looking at on, on TV or on my computer, at east and west level, I need to be able to ask them the same questions. So the test for me at that accountability level is if you ask it, you've, if you give it, you've got to take it as well. And uh, so that's the test on my East and West relationships. But of course, I'm in my fifth decade. So um, there are, most of my friends who are East and West of me, I've known for at least 30 years. Um, so it's a well-honed program. And not everybody's made it. Not every, uh, not mm. everybody I've gathered on the journey is, is east and west of me. <laughs> you have to be selective of who you bring close to you. At times in our leadership, or at times in any area of where we're going to do, we're probably going to make mistakes, mess up. Yeah. Like from what you've said, it doesn't sound like we're doing you know failure to be avoided at all costs because you've talked about the challenge and how people can challenge things. Um, where, where do you feed that in to be an opportunity, the failure is not final, and, you know, basically de-shaming that experience for people? Mm. Yeah, I, uh, we've, honing those relationships and choosing who's within your circle is, is, is very much part of this process. Um, so even if you took it, Jesus, the three, the 12, the 72, the 500, et cetera, et cetera, and then the thousands, um, Jesus was very intentional about what he talked about and who he talked to things. Uh, and so, you know, the most intimate times where he turns to, oh, couldn't you pray with me? Wouldn't you pray with me? Uh, or when he took him to the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, these are really good examples to help me understand uh, what I talk about in terms of my personal failure. Um, so some tips in this is... Um, saying sorry <laughs> you can say sorry when you when you know oh yeah i got that wrong yeah i think i could have done better in that um 
allows the person you're talking to to have the maturity and the grace to forgive you. <laughs> and I, you, that's modelled, more than anything else, that's modelled to the person you're working with. Wow. That, uh, to, I often talk, and uh, Chris is part of my church, so you he'll say that. I say, look, you only have to spend an hour or so with me and you'll see all my foibles, you'll see my weaknesses. I, and, and I choose not to try and cover them up. And the truth is, I am human. There's some things I do cover up. Uh, but I, I also have a small group of people that I am intentionally honest with and talk about the challenges that I'm going through at the moment. So challenges of confidence, challenges of, um, of, of temptation, challenges of uh, uh, rising to the task of the responsibility. Uh, th those elements, ha I've got to go somewhere with those, and I have to talk to someone who can actually handle it. Mm. Yeah, a, a little example that really helped me, I, I really do work well with metaphors and and stories. Uh, Corrie Ten Boom uh, said this. She was when she was four years old. She was standing at the station with her her father, and there's a suitcase between the two of them. And she just blurted out as they were waiting for the train, "Dad, what's sex?" <laughs> and you, you can imagine everybody just stopped and looked. And if you're a father, you'll be going, "Oh my goodness, birds and bees time." And he just paused for a moment. He said, "He said, let's um." Let's go and talk about that over, over there, shall we? Could you pick up the suitcase, please? And, of course, the four-year-old couldn't lift the suitcase. She said, Daddy, I, I, can't, I can't lift the suitcase. And he just said, well, sometimes there's some subjects that uh, aren't right to be discussed right now because they're too heavy, but there will be a time to just talk about those things. Oh, what wisdom, you know? A wisdom to use. Uh, and here she, when she was talking about it, she was a, uh, she was a pensioner. And she said, that is a lesson I learned about weight, learning what weight that you can give to the people who are around you um, and, and making sure that the, the, the distribution of that weight isn't equal. The heaviest weights go to the people who can carry the heaviest weights. That's the thing that helps me in my accountability. A massive thank you to Pastor Simon Jarvis for joining us for this week's episode. And thank you to you, listener, as well, for joining us. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode. But before we say goodbye, uh, just a quick reminder about that COVID-19 checklist. It's on our website, www.thinking.church. And just at the top of the uh, menu, you'll see uh, the link to buy it there. £49.99. We think you'll love it. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye for now.